Welcome to the ALN Academy's Talks. This is Angelica, head of the ALN Academy. The ALN Academy's Talks aim to promote conversations on rule of law, and today we focus on trade. We welcome you to our part two of our conversation about the Kenya-UK Economic Partnership Agreement, which has been recently ratified by the Kenyan Parliament. I am delighted to introduce to you Luisa Setina, director at ALN Kenya and Jarwala Ankana, who will take us through this. Thank you, Luisa, for joining us. Please tell us which are the key objectives and implications of this agreement. Thank you, Angie. I'm thrilled to be here. The agreement contains a number of objectives that are broader and also specific in terms of the relationship between the UK and Kenya. In terms of the broader objectives, it seeks uh, to improve African unity, to better immerse Kenya and the EAC countries within the African and the global community, to improve trade liberalization, to promote just sustainable development and growth, to bring investment into the country, and to do capacity building. So there are a number of very broad objectives. But more specifically, what is the agreement trying to do? The agreement basically is seeking to liberalize trade between the UK and Kenya. It has as an aspiration that other EAC countries will also accede to the EPA, and therefore they would also benefit from the same objective. But at heart, what it tries to do is provide uh, for a commitment for uh, tariff-free and quota-free trade between the two countries although the relationship is asymmetrical. So basically, the UK commits to giving tariff-free and quota-free access for Kenyan products into the UK immediately, effective as of January 1st of this year. In Kenya's case, it's a little bit different because, of course, it finds itself in a different position from an economic development standpoint. So Kenya commits to liberalizing trade with the UK over a 25-year period, but with a seven-year moratorium. The point is that within that actually pretty long period, something like 82% of trade between the two countries will be liberalized. The relationship is uh, asymmetrical in terms of trade because Kenya imports finished goods mainly from the UK. Machinery, you know, heavy equipment, vehicles, boilers, and so forth. And these are areas in which Kenya is trying to develop its own capabilities, right? So if it were to suddenly give tariff-free importation of those types of UK products into Kenya, then Kenyan manufacturers trying to compete in that space would, would find it much harder. In the case of the UK, it mainly imports agricultural and raw materials from Kenya, tea, flour, vegetables, and so forth. Uh, and therefore, it's uh, you know, a different relationship between the two countries, which is the reason why the EPA contains this asymmetrical uh, set of provisions. Okay, what, what is a moratorium period? Moratorium period <laughs> is a, a period during which the provision doesn't take effect. So the okay. liberalization doesn't start until that moratorium period is over. And then there's a gradual, and actually really gradual is, is the gradient is not steep, liberalization of tariffs of the products that are coming from the UK into Kenya. And this is like to give some time like for implementation. I mean, why do we have moratorium periods in such type of agreements? Yeah, the time is not so much in terms of implementation of the agreement. The idea of the moratorium is to give Kenya enough time to develop its own industry. Okay. 
Uh, so if we were to open the doors to low or zero tariffs of UK imports into Kenya immediately, that wouldn't give the Kenyan um, sectors enough time to catch up in terms of technological development, production capability, capacity building, etc. So it just buys time, basically, for Makes Kenya sense. to get there. So it took a bit of time for this agreement to be ratified. What were the main challenges and fears? Why did this happen? Thanks, Angie. That's a good question because people do have this sense that the agreement took a long time to make it through ratification. But actually, that wasn't really the case. It only took six months, which in the context of trade agreements is quite fast. Six months okay. between signing and actual ratification. And the reason why the countries were able to expedite it is because actually this EPA is very largely based on the EPA that was in existence between the EU uh, and Kenya previously. But, um, and I can discuss this in a little bit, it is the case that there were a few issues that were raised by the public and by parliament as they were reviewing the EPA. In terms of how the timing worked, um, in, uh, on 3rd November, the agreement was signed. And then in, on December 23rd, there was a memorandum of understanding that was entered into between the two countries where they set out each country's respective procedures for ratification. And in the MOU, there was a commitment by both parties that they would try and uh, have it in force within three months from signing of the MOU. The countries did attempt to, to meet that threshold. There was an agreement that the EPA was provisionally um, enforced from January 1st. Uh, but what actually happened is that it wasn't until March 2nd that the UK Parliament approved ratification, and it wasn't until 9th March that um, the, the Kenyan Parliament gave the go-ahead. And as you alluded to, there were some concerns and challenges in that process. With regards to both countries, actually, there was a concern that the EPA could have been damaging perhaps the relationship between the various EAC countries because Kenya has ratified it, the other EAC countries asked for a year uh, before ratification happened, that didn't happen. So that was a concern that was raised and that was a concern that was debated in both countries, although ultimately it was decided that it wasn't a reason not to implement it. In the UK, another reason uh, that was raised, um, another challenge that was considered, considered relates actually to transparency and anti-corruption. The House of Lords raised the fact that the EPA provides for a five-year period for the two countries to negotiate transparency obligations with regards to public procurement. It was thought that that period was too long in light of the corruption issues that Kenya has. The other issue that was raised, and that was mainly in Kenya, is that there was insufficient public participation. And that is that uh, the National Assembly didn't publish the entire body of documents that related to the EPA, including the annexes and the protocols, that on top of that, it only gave the members of the public seven days to comment on the draft text, that it was published on the internet, but not everyone has access to the internet, that it was only published in English, but a lot of people don't speak English so well. Those are actually concerns that were raised by um, the National uh, Small Scale Farmers Forum and by an entity called Echo News in a constitutional petition that was filed earlier this year in Kenya. 
uh, again, that, that hasn't been decided, so we don't know what the ruling will be because actually it's been overtaken by events. The agreement has been ratified at this point. But there were important issues that are quite relevant to the democratic process in Kenya okay. uh, yeah. and that were raised at the time. Makes sense. Yes, I, al I always thought that it took like forever to be ratified. And even you can see in some of the news that there is like that misunderstanding. So yes, thank you. Thank yeah, you. you're right. And I think it's part of the process and it's important from a democratic standpoint that those conversations be had and that people feel angst about these agreements being negotiated without enough participation. I think that there is an obligation on the part of news outlets and other commentators to actually understand these agreements before they comment on them. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was a, definitely a misunderstanding that Kenya was suddenly opening its doors to a flood of UK products when actually it wasn't the case. If you read the agreement, you realize that there's a lot of consideration given to, to Kenya's economic status. Uh, and therefore, while dialogue is very important, it is also very important for those members of the press and the public who are out there saying all sorts of things to ensure that they're fact checking their comments. So Luisa, please tell us, why did Kenya chose the route of joining um, to this EPA bilaterally as opposed to joining like within a regional bloc with Thank the East African community? Thanks, Angie. That's a, a very good question. And actually, there's a very good answer for it. The main reason is that, as you know, after Brexit, or I don't know if you know, but following Brexit, all the agreements to which the UK was a party pre-Brexit were going to become inoperable as to the UK as of January of this year. So the UK had to establish or re-establish these relationships okay. with its trading partners. Uh, and therefore, it had to be concluded fairly quickly. From Kenya's standpoint, uh, and I don't know how many people know this, Kenya is not considered is the actually the only country within the EAC that is not classified as a least developed country. It's actually classified as a lower middle income country. And that has consequences from a tariff standpoint. So under the generalized scheme of preferences, without an EPA, only certain goods would have been the subject of uh, you know, preferential treatment or lower tariffs. And a number of other goods would have been subject to most favored uh, nation tariffs, which actually are a lot less favorable to Kenya than the zero tariffs, zero quota agreement under the EPA. So for Kenya, it was imperative that it entered into this agreement with the UK quickly, because as of January 1st, then it would have had to start um, exporting goods on the basis of these much higher tariffs. Okay. So there was that need to conclude the agreement fairly quickly, and it had to do so whether the other EAC countries actually acceded or not. As you may know, the agreement itself is not drafted as a bilateral agreement to the extent that it has as its intention to have all the EAC member states accede to the agreement. There's that provision. Uh, to date, of course, that, that's not the case. So in practice, it is a bilateral agreement right now. Okay. Understood. And do you know if any of the other countries have pronounced anything of the kind, like to join? Um, that's a good question. I think uh, the countries did ask for a year to consider oh, okay. the EPA. Okay. So, of course, the regional bloc 
you know, is interested and they are paying very close attention to what Kenya is doing. And that applies as to the EPA, but also the current agreement that is being negotiated between the U.S. and Kenya, because it has implications that are wider than just for Kenya. So, Luisa, please um, tell us how to ensure that there is equity and balance for African countries when they're negotiating with major political powerhouses. Thanks, Angie. I think that you will find that in a lot of cases, there is a power imbalance between two countries that are negotiating a free trade agreement. You will find that when you have a developed country on the one hand and a developing country on the other. Uh, and what that means is that one country has more leverage, right? In Kenya's case, for example, it's a lot more dependent on the revenue that it derives from its exports to the UK and from the products that it needs to import from the UK than vice versa. So just to give you an idea, about 30% of the revenue that Kenya generates from exporting its goods, say, to the EU used to come from, from trade with the UK. And the UK is Kenya's fifth largest trading partner. When you flip that and you look at the UK, Kenya is something like the UK's 73rd largest trading wow. partner. Yeah. And trade from the UK to Kenya is only something like 0.1% of UK's trading uh, revenue. So there's a huge imbalance there. It's a lot more important in some ways for Kenya to maintain that relationship on favorable terms than it is for the UK. However, there are ways of ensuring that when drafting these agreements, there, is a, there are concessions made for, for that differential. And I think Kenya, for example, as a government is getting much, much better at negotiating these. It has participated in the Africa Free Continental, uh, the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement negotiations. Now it's negotiating an FTA with the US. It has concluded prior uh, trade agreements. And therefore, I think it's very important for these countries to have gone through proper capacity building when it comes to negotiating these agreements. And then there are policies that ensure that there's equity. For example, the UK uh, foreign policy, Kenya has, got, has got its own policies with regards to the development of export and just economic development within the country. So the EPA, as we have discussed, makes provision for a different uh, asymmetrical relationship between the two countries. And it tries to protect Kenya's agricultural sector. It tries to protect Kenya's micro, medium and uh, small enterprises and it tries to improve capacity building and enhance cooperation, improve its economic environment, develop its technology. Uh, and in that way, while it probably isn't 100% equal, there are mechanisms that are employed to ensure that there's some equity that is maintained. So Luisa, what does a more favorable treatment under the context of an FTA means? That's a pretty technical question, Angie. The EPA under Article 15 provides that the UK commits to providing to Kenya any more favorable treatment that is provided for between the UK and a third party. Okay, so if the UK enters into a trade agreement with another country and the terms are more favorable than they're in the EPA, it's obligated under the US, uh, the UK Kenya FTA or EPA to provide the same favorable treatment to Kenya. 
Kenya has a similar provision or similar obligation, but with a modification. It basically says that uh, Kenya is obligated to provide the UK with more favorable treatment only when it enters into an EPA or an FTA with a third party that is a major trading economy. So for example, if Kenya enters into a free trade agreement with Australia and it has a clause that is more favorable than the one that is in the EPA with the UK, then it's obligated to provide that same level of favorable treatment to the UK. However, if it provides more favorable terms to Mozambique because it's not a major trading power, it isn't required to provide, you know, make available those same terms to the UK. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, very technical. So it means that there's no reciprocity. There is reciprocity, but it's not symmetrical. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to add is that actually this doesn't apply in the case of those agreements to which each country was a party at the date of signature of this EPA. So if there was more favorable treatment provided for under an EPA by either country before they signed this one, there isn't an obligation or a commitment required by these parties to give each other that more favorable treatment. So Luisa, how is this agreement supporting the sustainable agricultural development in Kenya? That's a good question, Angie, because agriculture, as you probably know, is a huge sector for the country, extremely important. So Article 82 of the EPA actually indicates that one of the main objectives of the agreement is the sustainable agricultural development of Kenya. Uh, and that comes with other objectives like ensuring that there is food security, and that uh, Kenyan products can meet international standards, including safety standards and so forth. Uh, agriculture is one of the most important pillars for Kenya as demonstrated by the statistics. For example, something like one third of Kenya's GDP relates to the agricultural sector and over 70% of Kenyans derive their revenue either entirely or partially from agriculture, over 70% of the Kenyan population. So it, is, it was very important to ensure that this sector was protected and that there were objectives that promoted its development. In more practical terms, it is highly important for Kenya to provide food security for its country. Actually, that's one of the reasons that uh, the Kenyan parliament mentioned as a reason for actually approving the EPA. What it means concretely under the EPA is that there are commitments in terms of uh, ensuring that there's cooperation with regards to seed production and livestock development, uh, safety in terms of helping Kenya with its promotion, its marketing, its distribution, its sale of agricultural products, and with regards to capacity building and training. Luisa, which is the correlation between the African Intercontinental Free Trade Agreement and this agreement? The EPA. Thanks, Angie. Well, both agreements are free trade agreements in that they seek to provide for tariff-free and quota-free trade between the respective countries, at least with respect to Kenya. And um, the EPA, while it's bilateral for now, has a provision for becoming a multilateral agreement. But it is different, of course, in that 
the EPA only contemplates trade between the UK and either Kenya or the EAC member states, whereas the FCFTA is continent-wide. Practically every country in Africa uh, is a member of the FCFTA. Uh, so its ambitions relate to bolstering intra-African trade. If you look at the numbers, you will see that unfortunately most exporting countries in Africa trade more with countries outside Africa than they do with their neighbors. So the idea of the FCFTA is to change that, to ensure that there are open borders uh, and that the countries within Africa trade with each other in, in order to develop them uh, economically. The other difference is that the FCFTA already includes uh, trade liberalization as to trade in goods and trade in services, whereas the EPA right now relates to trade in goods. It does have a provision for the negotiation of trade and services a few years down the line, but right now it only relates to trading goods. Last question for you, Luisa. Is there any other aspect that you would like to highlight from the EPA? Is there anything else that you would like to say that perhaps should be relevant? Thanks, Angie. Yeah, I think highly relevant and particularly also for you in the context of the Yelan Academy, are questions around what the EPA means in terms of the rule of law, governance, and transparency obligations for both countries, not just for Kenya, because I think that both countries, of course, have that obligation. The agreement does provide throughout scattered references to obligations that require that the countries adhere to the rule of law and uh, that there be transparency in the publication of regulations and, and rulings and provides us an objective underpinning the policy of both uh, countries with respect to the obligations under the EPA uh, requirement of good governance. Uh, but the EPA is a little bit different from some of the agreements that we have started to see, particularly in the case of the US. And those agreements are often called WTO plus or WTO beyond agreements. And what that means is that Originally, WTO or trade agreements related just to trade and nothing else. They didn't really bother themselves with mentioning these objectives around governance and transparency and so forth. But that has started to change and we can see a particularly marked difference in the agreements from around the early 2000s and normally driven by the US, where entire sections in these FTAs are dedicated to providing for anti-corruption measures and requirements on, around the rule of law. So for example, if you look at the US-Mexico-Canada agreement, you will see that, again, there's a lot of text that is dedicated to ensuring that there are measures implemented around anti-corruption. It relates to sanctions relating to corruption, whether criminal or non-criminal. Uh, and there are very specific transparency requirements. And in the negotiating objectives of the U.S. with regards to the U.S.-Kenya trade agreement that is under negotiation, there are also these references and they allude to making these requirements quite central to the agreement. That isn't the case in the EPA. It, again, of course, these principles underpin the agreement, but there aren't entire sections that just relate to that. And that is one of the issues that tangentially was brought up by the House of Lords when they were 
reviewing the draft text of the EPA. And that is, as I mentioned earlier, that for example, even though Kenya has huge issues with public procurement and corruption, in fact, is one of the fastest growing economic crimes in the country, uh, corruption and procurement, that the agreement provides that the countries have five full years to negotiate what the obligations should be on transparency. So under, until those negotiations are concluded, there aren't any specific provisions that require either country to be transparent about how they go about public procurement. Um, we'll see how things develop. Uh, obviously, a strong rule-based system is more likely to allow the countries to leverage the benefits of an agreement of this type. Uh, and it also makes investment in a country more predictable for potential investors. So it is very important for countries like Kenya to try and adhere to the rule of law and to good governance and to transparency to the extent possible if it really wants to leverage these trade agreements. Wow, thank you. This was an amazing last comment. Thank you so much. This was an extremely uh, exciting conversation. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Angie. And I look forward to participating in other ALN Academy videos. Yes, thank you for those watching us. Please make sure to follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram. Also, this conversation is going to be available on podcast. If you wish to know more about the Kenya-UK Economic Partnership Agreement, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at info at alnacademy.org. Thank you so much and see you in our next one.